Because we're talking about a genuinely good movie on the podcast. Yeah, yes, yes. It was a good movie. You forgot what we were talking about for a second, didn't no, you? No, I remembered. I just, I would have said the same thing about 13 Ghosts. The William Castle one? Yeah. At least the William Castle 13 Ghosts had stuff that like we could take issue with. But I'm... I don't have anything that I can say was wrong with this movie. Um. Yeah, I mean, right? you're, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something, and I'm struggling. Yeah. So this I is really going to be thirteen ghosts. So a really interesting episode. Welcome to Bad Movie Date Night. The podcast, in which we take a serious look at bad films and genre films and hopefully give them the credit that they deserve. I am Nigel from com, and with me is my beautiful wife, Caitlin. Hey, hey. And this week, we are talking about the 1953 3D thriller House of Wax, directed by Andre de Toth, starring Vincent Price. Frank Lovejoy, Phyllis Kirk, Carolyn Jones, and a bunch of other old actors that I don't recognize. Solid. Yeah. And uh, here's why we're talking about this movie. Because we want to continue to talk about Dark Castle movies. And we want to talk about the 2005 remake of House of Wax. But we had so much fun comparing and contrasting the original 13 Ghosts with the remake that we thought, why not do it again? And Caitlin hadn't seen the original House of Wax before. Have you? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay. Uh, and so that's why we're talking about it this week. This is a genuinely good movie. I, It is far from... At least from the Vincent Price movies that I've watched, he is very reserved in it, and I appreciate that mm-hmm. about him. Because, uh, unlike, I mean, I think Vincent Price is a pretty good actor. Yeah, I mean, He's I definitely agree. Very capable, especially in the stuff that he appears in. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie shows that. Now, could there have been a little bit more? to emote the tortured artist rather than just talking about it? Yes. So maybe that's one flaw we can talk about with the movie. Yeah. I thought the hands being burnt was kind of a a touch on the tortured artist without really talking about it. Because an artist who sculpts their hands really are everything. And the fact that, you know, we saw his hands and they were 
Yeah, that's true. He was obsessed with everybody's hands. Yeah. Especially after his were burnt. Right. I guess... Well, this movie's very efficient. It is. Because I'm just thinking about all of the setup that they do in that one opening scene. I know. And, like, you know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. You know that he's got a screw loose before uh, things go down. And... uh, you're not entirely surprised when you find out that he's a grotesque, murderous monster at the end. Right. Were you surprised by that? Or were you no. like, oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's I knew it was totally him. Vincent Price yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Um, For sure. But I I think the movie does a good setup with that. But also, I know you're not going to have Vincent Price in a movie for five minutes. That's top bill. But I also... I don't think I've ever felt so justified for a character like I did in this movie because of the opening scene. Like you think it was right for him to kill a bunch of people and turn them into wax figures? Not a bunch of people. His partner, yes. His partner deserved to be turned into a wax figure. Oh, I mean... In fact, if he could have like turned his partner into a wax figure without killing him and he just had to stand there and couldn't talk or move and slowly died, that'd be fine too. I was so angry watching what his partner did to him. Oh yeah, that was... I was literally heartbroken. They did such a good job because I was very upset. Yeah. I mean, you feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Like, within minutes. Yeah. And, uh... Devastating. Yeah. So this movie was directed, ironically, by Andre de Toth, who uh, only has one eye, and it was filmed in 3D. It was one of the first major 3D movies that Warner Brothers released. It was not the first 3D movie ever made, but it was the first with a stereo soundtrack, which was... Subsequently lost due to water damage, so you can't actually hear stereo on the Blu-rays. Despite the fact that they spent $300,000 to restore it. Wow. And I think, so this is the second of two 3D movies that we watched this weekend. (laughs) We didn't didn't watch this one in 3D, though. No, 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 no. No. But sometimes when you're watching movies that you know were filmed in 3D, things happen and you chuckle because it was very clear that they were all in on the 3D gimmick. Yeah. And not necessarily with, like, playing with, like, telling a good story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this was very effective because it was focused more on the story. Right. It had, like, bits where, you know. Yeah, like where the ping pong player. Yeah. Ping pong paddler. That was funny. Starts talking to the audience. That was funny. <laughs> and obviously it was a fun 3D thing. Right. And there were there were a couple other like subtle moments that they didn't like focus on. Right. Like when the police officers are trying to break down the door. Yeah. Uh so maybe that's maybe only one-eyed people should watch 3D move or make 3D <laughs> movies because then they're focused on story over gimmicks right now not saying that flesh for frankenstein was too focused on gimmicky 3d things 
But there were a few moments where you and I audibly laughed because they just went all in on it. Yeah. And it kind of, in that movie, like it worked because of how over the top it was. Right. But stuff like that, I don't think would have worked in this movie. No. But then I also think about, um, I think it's the sixth Nightmare on Elm Street movie where the whole like last climax is supposed to be in 3D <laughs> and Freddy's head blows up and he comes flying at yes. you and like, okay. Well, <laughs> they were on the sixth one. They really, it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they needed something to keep you intrigued right. and they gambled and lost. Uh, yeah. So we really need to watch through the Friday the 13th series because the third one is in 3D. Oh, boy. And if we can find the 3D version to watch, I am all in on that. That sounds like an adventure. I feel... I don't really know how to articulate this, but I feel like everybody complains about 3D, especially since it was kind of revitalized with Avatar. Mm -hmm. I like it. I'm not ashamed to say that. I like 3D. It is a neat tool in the arsenal of movie making and i think it adds some fun especially if you're watching like a big stupid blockbuster like three musketeers Mm -hmm. that i saw in 3d way more times than i should have that's hilarious well it's playing at the dollar theater it's like what else am i gonna go Eh. see so why was this movie in 3d because they could essentially they didn't need like a gimmick for people to come see it or they just wanted to. They just they were like, "Hey, we could make a 3D movie. Let's remake Mystery of the Wax Museum in 3D." Okay. So we should have watched Mystery of the Wax. Museum. I kind of wish that we had watched Mystery of the Wax Museum cuz then I feel like we could have knocked out both movies at the same time right. and did like a mini compare and contrast. But I forgot. And that's kind of disappointing cuz Mystery of the Wax Museum is barely an hour long. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like an hour and 10 minutes, I think. Oh. Short film. Yeah. Um, also, love the poster for this. I We need to go back to doing, like, exploitative posters for movies that have things that aren't even in the movie at all. <laughs> that's I always mean, the best one. Arguably, like, the ki- that's kind of in the movie. Like, yeah. Like, the girl all tied up and, yeah. like, half naked. But, like, you're not seeing any of that in the movie. No. I really... We watched a documentary recently and it talked about design art for films. Yeah, that documentary on VHS. And I really, I wish we we did go back to more of a hand-drawn design art work rather than let's put these famous people's faces on the The cloud of faces. It's so dumb. Yeah. Like, I'm way more likely to pick up a movie like that than a movie with three floating heads on it. Yeah. Even if if you watch it and you're utterly disappointed. Right. Like, the box art's super cool. Right. And that's why I appreciate a lot of these boutique labels that are trying to, like, redo movies. And and, uh, they got the reversible covers so that you can see the original box art. I I really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. What did you like about the movie? I thought it was a really great story. Uh, like I said, immediately I was I felt bad for Vincent Price's character. I I was 
on his side. I was like, that is just horrible. This guy better kill his business partner. I was just, I was ready for it. Yeah. So they did a great job setting that up. And I enjoyed um, all the acting. I thought, you know, everyone was great. Uh, I liked the story between, um, what was her name? The main Sue girl. and Scott. Yes. I liked the little love story we had with Sue and Scott. But also that it wasn't like forced and no, over the top. No, it was just kind of like a very small, subtle side note. Yeah. It was like, oh, by the way, these people are childhood friends, question mark. And they're kind of into each other now that she showed up at their house one night, (laughs) terrified. But I think what I loved most is the transformation of this character from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Like this guy just goes bat nut crazy. (laughs) He... Arguably was already a little crazy exactly. at the beginning of the movie. But you see like this, you're like, this guy's strange. How can it get weirder? And then like just slowly throughout the movie. And then by the end, you're like, this guy's bonkers. Yeah. I mean, I knew there had to be some type of like face thing going on, like a face mask or something. Right. But I was still shocked when she knocked off his face and it shattered. I was like, this guy put like a plastic face on himself and I just Yeah, I have a I have a couple questions about <laughs> the logistics of a wask wask a wax <laughs> mask. Well, and, yeah. But <laughs> if you're watching a movie about a guy turning dead people into wax figures right. that you know you kind of need to suspend your belief a little bit but i i really just i thought they did the transformation amazingly between the beginning vincent price and the end vincent price i felt like i was going on a ride on the crazy train and i thought it was wonderfully done yeah that's uh <sighs> I mostly agree with you, but it's it's Vincent Price. So, like, he has some degree of screw loose in everything <laughs> he plays. Well, then they casted beautifully. There's uh, another Vincent Price movie called Madhouse where he plays a... Uh, I forget if he's an actor or if he's a theater actor. Like, if he's a movie actor, like a theater actor, and he basically goes crazy and starts killing people. Okay. Not because they set anything on fire but just i think because they didn't like his plays or his movies so he's got a lot of rage inside of him yeah and then house on haunted hill he's trying to kill his wife because she's cheating on him so yeah i mean arguably good good reasons for all three killings yes so we've uh, last week we talked about how you are kind of biased towards older movies and I have a harder time with them. Mm-hmm. This movie I actually thought was kind of terrifying at parts. But the 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 horror for me at least came from the melting of the wax figures primarily mm-hmm. because that's such a grotesque and unsettling thing to see. It is, yeah. Everything after that, though, I was just kind of 
along for the ride. I think definitely the fire scene was the creepiest, but I do think that scene with Vincent Price in Sue's apartment, that one kind of creeped me out too. His face in the oh, dark yeah. and he jumped out the window. That was that was kind of creepy too. Yeah. So here's some fun facts for you. Uh, apparently, when they set the fire on the set, they quickly lost control of the fire. Oh, no. And continued to film because at that point, they only had one set to burn. And the director continued to film even after the firefighters arrived and they put a hole in the ceiling of the studio. Oh, no. So, uh, sure, that means that some of Vincent Price's fear and terror are was genuine. real. <laughs> well, it came through. <laughs> and uh, apparently he was also his makeup was so terrifying that he was banned from the commissary for a little bit because really? people were unsettled with it. That's so funny. Which like we watch that today and we're like, oh yeah, it's just you know, it's got latex on his face. But like mm-hmm. I get I guess for the time it was creepy. Yeah. You got that big I could see that. funky lip. One thing that I did think was kind of interesting, though, when he was chasing Sue around at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. he kind of had like a weird limp. Yeah. And kind and of it disappeared. And then it disappeared <laughs> it at the very did. end of the movie. Yeah. So were there like multiple layers of deception happening? Was he like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Oh, I'm just some crippled guy. Just kidding. My body's just burnt all over. Right. And I'm completely I, normal. Yeah. I did notice the limp. But I forgave the movie pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's not like it really takes away from the movie. Right. Like, there's really, it's so hard to find faults with this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's so well executed. And, I mean, it, it's kind of a, I guess it's like an early example of the trope of someone going through psychological trauma and then deciding to kill people based on it. Mm -hmm. I would be very interested to know how far back that goes. Yeah. I mean, maybe Phantom of the Opera. I say before that. Yeah. I mean, even if you think about folk stories. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Pretty excited to dig into some um, some folk horror here within a month or so. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. Because like when I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, this is basically killer workout. <laughs> like basically yeah. same movie. S- someone gets burned and they're like, oh, I guess I need to kill people now. <laughs> I wonder. It's kind of. OK, this is a little tangent here, so forgive me, but it's kind of crazy how we are just kind of one bad life event away from snapping. That's at least what movies have taught me. (laughs) Well, I think there's something interesting about that. I think that raises an interesting question because, okay, so Vincent Price, he seems crazy to begin with Mm -hmm. because he's like, oh, like, I've touched the hand of God. I've made Marie Antoinette. People say that she breathes. Mm -hmm. I like talk. He talks to them. Right. They talk back. They talk back to him. That's 
the beginning raises multiple red flags for him. Mm -hmm. So it is not entirely shocking when you find out that he's murdering people to turn people into wax figures. But then in Killer Workout, like, we really don't get enough inform. I guess we don't really see enough of, like, what's her face Mm -hmm. to determine if she was crazy and if, like, being burned alive is what made her snap. Right. But I still think it's it's a big jump from I'm talking to my statues to I'm murdering people now. And, like, I'm not just murdering people who have wronged me. I'm just murdering people that I need for my artwork. Well, I think he only murdered two people. I think he stole the rest of the bodies or his associates were murdering people and they stole those bodies. Um. Well, yeah, but still he murdered the blonde girl. And she didn't do anything to him. Yeah, that's true. And then he was going to murder Sue had the police not shown up. Yeah. And she did nothing to him. She did nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess like, I guess maybe we're seeing the beginning of a very slippery slope for him. Yeah. Like, you know, you you kill one person. (laughs) Next thing you know, you got 40 bodies in your wax museum. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like the first one's the hardest. It just gets easier from there. Yeah, but if you start with someone like your business partner who burned you alive, I guess it makes it easier. Yeah, true. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I'm trying to think wrong. of I'm trying to think of all the other movies that we've seen where people snap and they start killing people. And I'm having I'm drawing a lot of blanks. Here. I know, but that's such a fascinating concept that I really want to explore and it's interesting that that idea has gone back as far as it has like okay phantom of the opera came out in like i think the book was written in the 1800s late 1800s the first movie that's been lost came out in like 19 early 1900s maybe late um i'm really badly prepared for this but i didn't expect us to start talking about this um yeah so like like even go back as far as that like he's obviously murderous because he was abused and disfigured exactly yeah now here's another question how many movies have people going through trauma that disfigures them and they become murderous because of that and then how many movies are there where it's just trauma and they become and they are mur- and they're like not disfigured, but they're still kind of murderous. I would say it's fairly high on both ends. I, I, I agree. I just I'm trying to think of some that are without people being disfigured. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking of American Psycho, but that's not like he's just messed up. Like, I don't think there was any trauma there. No, I disagree. I think anyone who does something like that had trauma. Right. We just don't know what it is. Right. And the right, implication right. in American Psycho is that he is... Well, I guess the implication in American Psycho is that his violent out outlets are because of how structured and rigid his life are, and he's not able to be in like unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not talking about American Psycho. Right. Um 
Because even like Red Dragon, the guy, mm-hmm. he was, had a cleft lip and his mom beat him. So yeah. that's trauma and disfigurement. And he right. starts killing people because of it. And um, what's his face in Hannibal movies? Put the lotion in the basket. Oh, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, yes. Yeah, but he he wasn't dif- disfigured. But no. But he clearly... But he just has had the trauma, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, backing up, the point that I'm trying to make is... It's interesting that as early as, as we'll say 1900, Mm -hmm. just split the difference of the decade or the years I don't know, Mm -hmm. that we understood kind of this idea of trauma or Mm -hmm. bad things happen to people and they snap. Yeah. But for some, somehow like we still reconciled like good and evil with that. Yeah. And now there's like this idea of, oh, well, he just like something bad happened to him. I can save him. Mm-hmm. It's a very like psychology based approach to it. And it's like, well, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Or he murdered 80 people. And despite everything, like he probably still knows right from wrong. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe we should put him down. Yeah. Yeah. Man, my brain is just spinning right now. I can see it spinning. Because I'm... There's smoke coming from your Oh, ears. man. I'm getting off. I, I, I promise I will refocus. But I'm reading this book right now, and it's actually talking about this concept. It's talking about at what point do people kind of just snap and how close we are to snapping. And it, it's talking about how just... You never think you would find yourself rob- robbing a bank, right? But all of these things kind of like small lead things up lead to up it. to it. And I just think about that and killers. All these things just kind of one small thing leads to another. Leads to, I mean, look at right. famous serial killers today. It's not like they woke up and they were like, I'm going to be a murderer when I grow up. You know, obviously different life events happened and right so i don't know it's just very fascinating because we do have that knowledge of trauma from or yeah knowledge of trauma from way back when and we have still that idea of right and wrong but yet i feel like we can so weirdly relate at least me so maybe i should be concerned about myself here but you can even so weirdly relate to vincent price's character in this movie and i think that is the good job of the movies part yeah the difference with movies is that it's storytelling and it's the job of the writers and the directors to make you feel sympathetic to them in some way shape or form yeah and they did a really good job (laughs) yeah i mean you you feel bad for him at Mm -hmm. the beginning but Mm -hmm. then it also does a really good job of making you think oh no like you're a bad person and maybe it's good if you fall into a giant vat of boiling wax. And I think that's what happens to him. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cause he splashes and then the machine breaks and then they're like, Oh no. Yeah. So you still (laughs) felt bad for him at the end. I did a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I I I certainly didn't want him to kill Sue, but I still was like, man, if we could have just saved him too. Yeah, but I think it was clear that he was pretty far gone. Like, and and here's the thing. Like, okay, his business partner, 
Right. I'm not saying that he right. was justified, but his <laughs> business partner was a shady person and right. karma. Right. We'll use karma for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but then like killing Kathy and and attempting to kill Sue and all these innocent women just because he wants to recreate Joan of Arc and Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like, come on, buddy. Like, yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, he was so obsessed with recreating them that he was willing to kill people. Right. Like, and he knew that they were innocent people. I guess maybe, like, with Kathy, he thought that maybe she was, like, kind of a tart or whatever. Yeah, but... Because yeah. she seemed a little loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the modern sense, but, you know, in the <laughs> 1950s portraying the 1800s right. sense of loose. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> like, you can't really... There's no good way to justify his actions. Yeah. Like, you feel sympathetic with him until, oh, you're trying to kill people. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I'm <laughs> afraid to go to sleep with my eyes closed tonight. No, no, no. I, I agree with what you're saying. You just didn't feel that way. You don't I, agree with there, there, was, there was a little part of me that, that did feel bad for him at the end still. I mean, I like... But, like... Okay, I just I wanted thing. him to be I felt horrible. His hands were burnt. He couldn't be an artist anymore. He was just trying to be an artist the only way he knew how. I'm not By saying it was right. People. I'm not <laughs> saying it was right. I'm just saying he was doing what he had to do. It would be different <laughs> if like it would be different if he was trying to construct them in like like okay, let's say that he's stealing cadavers from the local right. university. He should have been doing like, that. Like, yeah, or digging up bodies from the ground. Then you can feel like, you know, it's a Frankenstein situation and you can start to feel bad for him. But no, he's killing people. Okay, I know. He shouldn't have been killing people. I don't know why. Why was his first thought? Did his first thought jump to killing the people? That's a better question. Yeah. Like, I get that he wanted to kill his partner. Okay, great. Go do that. It's not right, but go do that. And then start killing other people you could he clearly can steal bodies from the morgue anytime he wants i think you need to see life to be able to portray yeah but he targeted kathy from her picture or no <laughs> i don't know how he targeted kathy yeah i'm, I'm not certain on that cuz uh, clearly he can't go out well i guess like once he made his wax mask but then like why would he go around at night with his because he didn't want to be identified face. as the murderer. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I guess. Sorry, our dog ruined my train of thought by <laughs> whining. I feel like I need to do a comprehensive list now of movies... And try to like divide between disfigured trauma murders and trauma regular murders. You should write about that on your website. I should write about that. that it sounds like a lot of work though, but I have no idea when I'd release it. But maybe I'll uh, see what I can do. I'd love that. Could really dive in. Yeah. Dive in so deep. And then you might come out the other side. Yeah, I don't I don't think writing (laughs) 
something ever turned anyone into a murderer. Well, that's not true. Uh, If you you didn't watch that movie, Scare Me. Mm. Scare Me, yeah. Where the guy was like so upset that he wasn't a famous writer that he killed the girl. Or Secret Window. He was upset because his wife divorced him. Right. But he was writing about it and then he killed them. Yeah. I just don't like to acknowledge that Secret Window <gasps> exists. Stop. Stop. I just, I just don't nope. like it. Mm, you can heart. enjoy it if you want. I just don't it's got like my it. man, Johnny Depp. Jay Depp. <laughs> oh no, so many people hate me now. Yeah, because he's a terrible person despite being the victim of spouse abuse. <laughs> I know. Society doesn't see it that way, Nigel. Yeah. Let's just remember that Amber Heard pooped on a bed. <laughs> she was so upset with him that she pooped on their bed. Oh, we're going to get so much hate mail. Oh, no. People hate Amber Heard. Oh, we hate her now? I can't keep up with who, which spouse we hate in what relationship. Well, I, I just learned we hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I don't. I'm not getting involved with that. <laughs> I I think like Johnny Depp was found guilty of something, but like everyone hates her because clearly the evidence was against her. Oh, okay. But she's still in DC movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because but the people at Warner Brothers Johnny Depp was blacklisted. Okay. The people at Warner Brothers are writing movies and making decision with their butts now. <laughs> so. You know, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to get on that rant. Oh, boy. Man, this this podcast has many tangents. We're going all over the place on this one. Uh, here's another fun fact for you. Carolyn Jones, who played Kathy, went on to be Morticia Adams in The Adams Family. That is cool. And uh, this movie revitalized... Vincent Price's career. Really? Yes. So this is kind of like uh, getting him back into the limelight. He was playing like second parts and, you know, low grade stuff. Mm. Uh, this came out in 1953. House of uh, House on Haunted Hill was 1959. Okay. I used to think that it was vice versa. Probably the whole color and black and white thing. So right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he went on to have a very healthy B-movie career after this. Um, I've seen a lot of fun stuff with him. I like Vincent Price. He's very talented. Yeah, we man. should watch more of his stuff because mm-hmm. he's fantastic. Um, for ex- uh, well, this isn't loading right now, but like Madhouse, I saw that. Um, I think it's called The Monster Club. That's a weird movie. Do you think a lot of our listeners have seen the original House of Wax? Like, I don't know how popular this movie is. Yeah, I don't know either. I feel like um, if you're like a big horror buff like we are, you've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you've definitely probably seen the remake because right. who doesn't want to watch Paris Hilton get killed? Right. Um, but if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I know that we didn't really say, ha, say too many insightful things about the psychology of the movie, but it's still worth watching. Still something to take into consideration. 
Yeah, you can think about the killer perspective while watching. Yeah. You can decide if you feel sympathetic for him at the end <laughs> or not. Because we're split. Did uh, did you not like anything about this movie? No, I was watching it. And as the movie progressed, I thought... we I, I was like, I'm not going to have any neg- negative things to say about it. Like, this is a decent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not think that it was campy. Mm-hmm. There were certain elements like the 3D thing that was obviously a product of its time, but it wasn't distracting from the rest of the movie. Yeah. And like there were parts that injected humor into it that didn't take away from the overall story. Like those three women mm-hmm. in the wax medium that loved was funny. it. They were the best. Very funny. Uh, but overall, the story was very uh, efficient. So- Vincent Price was very good in it everybody was great in it they were so here's i guess my question for you i thought this movie was not campy either i thought it was very well done and i guess i don't know why it's not one of those movies that you know you you hear about casablanca or singing in the rain films like that and why is this not on that list like on the greatest movies ever made like yeah. iconic great like, movies like, ever yeah, made? Like uh, an older film that you have to see, you know? People say, oh, you haven't seen Casablanca? I mean, I think it's it's, I think it's notable and people know about it. But obviously it's horror, which people <laughs> tend to shy away from. That's just so crazy to me. I think... I think that's truly the only reason it's not up there on that list is because it's horror, which is not fair. We shouldn't be not placing horror up there. And it's not, you know, horror scary either. No, this is like, I I think I mentioned that last week or the week before, Mm -hmm. like people have this misconception that horror equals scary, but no, like how else would you categorize this movie? Right. And it's not, like there are bits that are unsettling and mm-hmm. maybe I'm desensitized to horror movies, but it's not going to, I'm not going to be laying up at night thinking someone's going to kill me and turn me into a wax figure. Right. Which might also be a product of the time because where do they have wax museums now? Right. In DC, the right. big cities were mm-hmm. fun. Nobody's I, putting a wax museum in Cleveland. <laughs> I don't know. There might be one. Um, I guess, I guess it is just weird to me that it's not on the top greatest older movie films list, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I also think that movies from the 50s that were in 3D are automatically labeled as gimmicky. Mm-hmm. And not given the chance. That's because of so sad. the stereotype surrounding 3d movies is it a bad i mean it's an accurate stereotype don't get me wrong but there are exceptions to the rule and this would be one of them Mm. Uh, apparently somewhere near cleveland we have a bible wax museum see i knew there's got to be one in cleveland that is out of all the things that i thought the wax museum would be it was not going to be a Bible. It was not going to be a Bible museum. 
That's fascinating. Here we go. Go slash Ohio.com Wax Museum Cleveland. I think we're taking a trip for the podcast. I think we are. This has no information on it. So I'm going to say that's fake. Uh. <laughs> All right, Caitlin, let's do our awkward transition to your dating corner. Well, th- my dating advice is kind of broad here, okay? But I, and I feel like I'll get some slack for this, but I wish... Slack or flack? Flack, flack, not Kay. flack. <laughs> um, I feel like we should do dating like we did in the 1950s. Even though this movie takes place in the 18-somethings? yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, I stand by my statement. Uh, I still feel like even in the 18-somethings, the 50s were similar concepts here. Yeah, people were prim and proper and you right. dressed and up gentlemen, and you went out. Right, you dressed up whenever you went out. Uh, guys were gentlemen, opened the door for you, you know, allowed you to go first, you know. Oh, you mean like chivalry? Yes. Yeah. And we don't do that anymore. And I know people are going to hate me for this, but I just feel like that is something that we're missing in society. And I think that if you date a guy who is chivalrous, you should keep that man. So a lot of my dating advice is run from this relationship. This is dating advice is a man opens the door for you keep that relationship yeah but not like not like just any man like you're going to the mall (laughs) and you know the grandpa opens the door like arguably the guy guy that you're on the date with yeah 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 Yeah. we have a lot of uh thoughts about 50s dating that are better suited for a different podcast that (laughs) doesn't primarily focus on movies yeah there you go. Yeah. Also, maybe women out there don't date to be a gold digger. Arguably, that's Kathy's downfall. It really is. So she was like, if you want to date somebody because you're trying to be a gold digger, you'll end up as a wax figure in a museum. Yeah. She was all about r- climbing that social ladder. She's like, Sue, take my last 50 cents because my man's going to give me all all the money. Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah, or he could kill you. You're dead. (laughs) Yeah, now you're dead. (laughs) So that's a, you know, become a gold digger, die. Yep. Fact. Sure. (laughs) I mean, I feel like you could say anything on the Internet now and someone will believe you. Right. So fact. Okay. (laughs) You've heard it here. Not actually endorsed by Bad Movie Day Night <laughs> or a journey into film.com. <laughs> well, that was interesting. And maybe sometimes the best girl for you is one who uh, shows up screaming in your house in the middle of the night. Maybe. That's debatable. Maybe. But, you know, that's also 
potential dating takeaway. Right. Potential. <laughs> yes. And now we'll do our really fun, awkward back to. All right. Do you have any other final thoughts on this? Definitely deserves more credit than it gets. This is. Uh, I'm going to be really specific with how I word this. I don't think that it deserves more credit than it gets, but I think more people need to watch it than have watched it. Yes. Put this on your must watch list. Definitely. Even top of the list. You are not a horror person. Mm -hmm. Although we talk about horror so much on this podcast, I don't know why you would be listening to it. Maybe you're here from uh, New Year's Eve or one of the other rom coms that we did. Yeah. Welcome, I guess. Welcome to horror. Yeah. Welcome to what we talk about the other 80% of the time. Right. Uh, But yeah, go out and watch this. It's great. There is a 3D version available on Blu-ray. We did not watch that one, but I feel like it's got to be pretty good if Warner Brothers put a boatload of money into restoring it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it can be a fun time. We like watching movies in 3D just for the fun of it. Yeah. I say check it out. Yeah. Um, Do you have any final thoughts? Watch this movie and watch Flush for Frankenstein. Definitely watch Flush for Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) They uh, just added Blood for Dracula and Flush for Frankenstein onto Shudder, if you subscribe. Better known as Andy Warhol's Dracula and Andy Warhol's Frankenstein. They slapped his name on there. For the marketing, because he was a producer on it, even though he did not contribute anything to it. And, uh, you know, it's uh, Udo Kier at his weirdest. Definitely check it out. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) That's all I got for you. Yes. Is this movie (laughs) going to go on your top ten? No, it's not. I don't really feel like that's a fair question to ask for, because it's not bad enough. It's too good. It couldn't touch. But I'm really glad that we set up next week's episode mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about the 2005 remake of house of wax which was heavily marketed as let's see paris hilton die because that was the height of her popularity so uh we're going to talk about that i am so excited to compare and contrast the two after having watched this one Especially because the plots are so different. Mm -hmm. They could not be more different. And we will definitely talk about that in as much detail as we are able to give them. Sorry about the shorter episode this week, but I hope it was worth listening to. We appreciate you listening. And we want you to go hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or if you're one of those weirdos who listens to podcasts somewhere else, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Journey Into Film. And hit us up on there. We like interacting with people. I literally tweeted last night that I need to find more people to follow. So I would love that. And if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash a journey into film or head over to T Public and check out some sweet merchandise. Links are available to those in the show notes. And as always, never let anyone tell you that a film you enjoy is bad because they're probably wrong. See you next time.